Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. My name is Brooke McCallery. I'm uh, the founder of slowyourhome.com, a uh, website about slowing down and simplifying, and I am your host. Sitting next to me is my co-host, Ben, who is also my husband. Hello. G'day. How are you going? Good, good. Looking forward to this podcast mm-hmm. because it's a little bit different. It is. Yeah, I've been getting a lot of uh, questions from listeners uh, and also blog readers, but uh, emails, Facebook, Twitter, that sort of thing. People asking specific questions about what it is to slow down and simplify and also quite particular areas of that. And I've been getting quite a few and a lot of them sort of have a similar theme. So mm. I thought it might be interesting to put together a Q&A show with the two of us and try and answer some of the, the more common questions. So I think if, you know, if this is something that people enjoy, we'll probably make it a semi-regular kind of hostful thing to borrow a term from Nerdist. Good and one. Um, if you do have a question that you'd like me to answer on the podcast, just head to slowyourhome.com slash QA and uh, you can either send me an email with your question or there is also an uh, opportunity to use a little nifty thingo called SpeakPipe and you can leave a voicemail message asking your question too and then we can uh, play your message on the podcast and yeah, answer you that way. So please feel free to, to ask away and you will probably hear your, your question in one of these upcoming Q&A shows. And this podcast is proudly brought to you by The Bloom. It is, yes. www.thebloom.co uh, Yeah, as the last couple of episodes have been sponsored by The Bloom, which is a, a new community website that I launched a couple of months ago. And it's been designed to help members, specifically to support members through the process of simplifying and slowing down because there's a lot of information out there that you can get in you know, books and on blogs, things like that. But there are people, there are a lot of people who really need that additional encouragement and that, um, you know, the support that comes from being part of a community of people who are, who are aiming for the same kind of thing. So that's what essentially what the bloom is it's it's a community of people striving for a simpler slower life and that looks different for everybody but uh membership is ten dollars a month and for that you get access to our private forum and weekly video calls where you can uh hop on ask a question uh talk about an issue that you're struggling with and there's also a, a huge host of uh, resources, things like that, projects, workbooks, checklists, things that will help you through every part of, of slowing down and simplifying. So if you do want to want to check out what The Bloom is about, just head to thebloom.co.co and uh, you can learn some more. And more and more resources are being updated on a fairly regular basis as well. So yeah. worthwhile. All right, let's get into it. All right. question is from Sam via email. Um, Sam, I don't know whether it's gender neutral name, isn't Lady it? Lady Sam. It's Lady Sam. Okay. Sam asks, 
she's at a similar crossroads um, that you have faced um, many years ago. She's got two small kids, a demanding business, and she based, that's her life, basically. Um, she says, I'm almost at burnout point and I've decided to close the business. It's been comforting to read about your journey and know that others have sought a slower, less cluttered life. I'd like to hear you talk about the feelings, judgments, both self-inflicted and externally, and society's views on moving towards a slower life and home. I know for me now, as I move closer to slowing down, I'm feeling very much a failure for not being able to do it all. Rationally, she knows this is, of course, rubbish. Guilty for feeling like I need some time for myself each day and the possible judgment from overachieving professional friends and family. She'd love to hear your story on that. Right. It's it's a really... It's not an uncommon situation, I don't think, that that Sam's finding herself in now and that I found myself in a few years ago. Just as a very, very brief bit of background, uh, about five years ago I was running my own jewellery label and it was really, you know, not hugely successful, but it was doing well and it was... Was that a stage where it was going to go to the next level really, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Uh, You know, and I had lots of opportunities and... Things were growing at quite a you know a steady clip. This was also the same time though that we were starting our family. We had our our daughter; she was about one, and I was heavily pregnant with our son. And uh, you know, it it came to a point where it was either commit to this, you'll be working forty, fifty, sixty hours a week on this this business, while also trying to be a full time parent, you know, renovate a house, run the home, all that kind of stuff. And to me. Uh, after our son was born, it, I was diagnosed with postnatal depression. But I think looking back, I definitely was struggling with that already at that point. And the business was the the no brainer. That was the first thing. It was non essential, first of all, um, which is a fortunate position to be in. Um, but it was non essential, and it was a you know a really easy decision for me to make once we decided. And once we recognize that it was either something has to give or I will lose my mind, you know, and I know that sounds kind of dramatic and glib, but I was in a really bad place emotionally, mentally. So I closed the business. It was quite literally a snap decision. Um, But looking back, there was a, you know, many, many months of reasoning and, you know, thought put into it, but I hadn't really considered it as an option until the moment that we decided that the business was going. So um, to Sam's question, I think a, a, lot of, a lot of what she's asking about is how do I deal with the feeling of failure, I think, um, you know, when we realize that we can't do it all. It's, it's not um, an, an immediate thing, you know, to say, well, I'm going to take the you know, the road less traveled, I'm going to skip out on these things that people say are, you know, the measure of a successful life. It's connecting your why, so the reason that you're doing it, with the, you know, your destination, which is, in Sam's case, you know, a simpler, less stressful life. So she's she's looking to create that for her family. And I think it's really helpful if you're able to separate yourself from what 
the others, you know, the capital O others are saying, because they're probably not, first of all, uh, and kind of just do you for a while. And that does help. But, you know, it's interesting. I was emailing with Sam a bit back and forth about this. And I said to her that it was kind of like keeping up with the Joneses, you know, this idea of what is a successful life? You know, we should be able to do and have it all. Nice house, nice car, nice clothes, good job, balanced family life, uh, happy, content kids. Like all of those things don't fit. That's too much to try and squeeze into into real life with real commitments and real responsibilities. So, uh, you know, the, the fact is the Joneses don't exist, first of all. You know, whatever you think the Joneses are, I, I, I doubt that they're, you know, a real family. But For Sam, it's the overachieving professional friends and family. That's her Joneses. And I, I get that. Uh, I still have people come up to me now, five, five, almost six years later, saying, oh, don't you miss it? Don't you regret, you know, don't you regret closing the business? Uh, you know, because I couldn't live with myself if I, you know, if I built something like that up and let it go. That's not how I view it. I don't view it as letting something go in a detrimental way. I view it as letting something go so that I could free myself up to live the life I wanted. So there are people who, you know, they're overachievers. They, um, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, but there are people who will strive for a successful life at all costs. And it's that bit that at all costs that you need to focus on because, you know, Sam sounds like she's decided and we decided that that at all costs is not an, an acceptable cost for us you know for us it was uh you know me being mentally healthy and then being able to be a good mum and being present and engaged and you know content and happy that was what was important and you know we could have had a very successful business but that at all costs i i really worry to think about what those costs might have been i think it's really interesting also to um Explore the the emotions, obviously, that um, slowing down brings out. Because for for me, and I'm nowhere near where I want to be, but it's the whole um, it's the whole headspace of I'm slowing down. I'm not, I'm choosing not to do different things. Um, but God, I feel selfish in doing so. Oh, I, you know, I just feel like you know. What gives me the right, especially if I'm not doing as much stuff, um, what gives me the right to now, you know, want to have my own time and do my own thing and and it's that selfish emotion and, the, you know, the guilt of, of you know, wanting to take time and do, do things just for yourself and by yourself. Um, that, I think, is is my the biggest problem that I've got and it sounds like Sam as experiencing the same thing as well is the um and it's so self-inflicted like you say it is it all comes internally if you if you were speaking to someone else uh, you know mate it, it they probably don't even recognize that um but i thought that's that's a really interesting and how 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 would you sort of relate to that how how can people work through that feeling of being selfish and the guilt that surrounds for, for having time by yourself, especially if you're not doing as much now? Well, I think it, part of it is just the negative connotations of slow too. You know, people think that slowing down and relaxing, like that equates to laziness 
or idleness or, um, you know, it's a negative thing that somebody should be ashamed of. Like the idea of having a nap, you know, on a Saturday afternoon is it's shocking to people, first of all. And then, you know, it's swiftly followed up by the idea of what else could I be doing? Mm. Uh, And that's, you know, that part of learning to slow down is learning to be fine with that because it's not, I mean, there's the old metaphor of, um, you know, when you're on an airplane and, you know, you're going to crash or the, the airplane's in distress, the oxygen masks come down and they tell you to put the mask on yourself before you start helping anybody else. And I think, um, you know, it is selfish to to a certain point to, you know, crave this this time for yourself and this time to reflect and time to rest and time to recuperate. But it's selfish with good reason because from that place of slowing down or having a nap or, you know, going off and playing guitar for an hour or whatever it is that that reconnects you or, you know, rejuvenates you, uh, like, yes, technically it's a selfish act. Like you could be out, you know, working in, in a charity or volunteering or something like that. And when you compare those two to each other, fine, I understand why people feel like it's a selfish thing. But when you're rejuvenated, when you're replenished, when you feel fulfilled and content, you can go and live your life in a different way, a more positive way. And when you're running on empty because you're constantly doing things that you think you should be doing and never, you know, never resting, never reconnecting, it's it's really hard to live the kind of positive life that helps change, you know, change people, change, you know, family, whatever. It's, it's very difficult to live that kind of life when you're shattered. Absolutely. Um, one other aspect um, of this email, because there's quite a lot of elements in there, but um, another one is the, the whole, I've decided to close the business, I'm going to get judged mm-hmm. by my family and friends for that. Um, you know, I'd like to hear your, um, your experience in that. I think for, for an outsider, for me, it was initially it was purely financial. It was like, oh, wow, we're going to lose. We're not, we're not going to be as financially um, in, a, in a good position. Um, but that quickly dissipated when I understood what was happening to you, um, you know, emotionally and psychologically what was, what was going on and how that really just didn't matter. Mm. So is there something there about educating people that don't understand living a slower life, don't understand or have a hard time reconciling the fact that you're, you know, um, running a successful business and then stop? Um, and change your life. I think it's really change, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Getting people through the concept of changing the way you want to live your life that may or may not be the way that they do. I think that's you just hit it on the head at the very end. People, when when faced with with somebody who is deciding to live their life in a different way to you know to the person who they're talking with, people can't help but feel judged. Um, you know, for example, I stopped eating meat like six months ago. And if I mention that to people, the responses typically, typically most people don't care, but, uh, if somebody does care or does get defensive or, um, just weird about it, it's because they think that I think differently of them 
because I've made a change. You know, it's that self, um, self-involved way of viewing everything, which is you know, part of the human condition, I think. Of course, we're going to see things from our own perspective. Uh, but I think there will be judgment, but the vast majority of that judgment is not so much to do with the decision that you're making, but rather the person's fear that maybe it reflects on their decisions in a way that they don't love. Uh, you know, so when you could apply that to a lot of different things, when Sam closes her business, people might, uh, you know, make comment basically, you know, being judgmental or being defensive or whatever. But also if, you know, for example, we decide to live a slower life and someone comes around on a Sunday afternoon and we're all having a nap, uh, you know, there'd be, maybe a remark or two about how nice that would be, or I could never do that because I'm always busy or I need to be busy or whatever, you know, and that's not about what you're choosing to do. It's about the person that is having the issue with it. So I think part of it is just understanding that it's not about you necessarily. Another part of it is understanding that people will have different thoughts and opinions and, you know, there is no necessarily right one right way of doing life. Uh, it would be nice if everybody understood that and then, you know, things would be a lot more harmonious. But, uh, you know, you will come across people who just don't get it or they don't want to get it and that's fine. Uh, you know, and the other thing is it's 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 a change. So if you can come up with a way of describing to people why you're doing it and a lot of what I talk about, about slowing down, it comes back to why. If you could say to people, I'm doing this because – um, my mental health is crumbling, for example, or because I want to be around for my kids while they're little or, you know, whatever it is, I don't want to travel so much with work or I want to be able to go away on the weekends or I want, you know, it could be the why isn't, isn't important to anybody except you. It's a matter of being able to articulate that to other people and try and make them understand why it is that you're making these changes. And then, you know, possibly, hopefully that will help. Just on that, um, and this is, I'm a, well, I know we're spending quite a bit of time on this question, but um, uh, in my sort of field of work, I'm, I do a lot of writing and messaging. Um, what I think really helps when you're describing the why and when you know that it's going to be an emotionally charged conversation, you know, that there's, um, you know, you can be perceived um, by your audience, by your, you know, your friends and family as, um, you know, that failure and, you know, all those negative connotations. Um, the power of three always works really well. So have, um, you know, three reasons. So people will, will always say if you've got one reason, well, that's just an excuse. If you're two, that's, that's kind of better. But if there's three, people remember three reasons um, really a lot you know, a lot better than just the one um, or five or six or, or more. So just have that, you know, in the back of your head. That's just a way that may help you um, communicate that um, clearly, succinctly, unlike what I've done just then. <laughs> on message with Ben McCallum. Exactly. Um, if we could just – we'll move on now. Um, the next question through was from Joel on the blog. It's a strange last name, isn't mm. it? How do you, it's actually Joel, our friend Joel, Joel Zaslowski. Oh, good old Joel. Mm. 
Um, he asks, how do you incorporate the natural world into a culture of slow? Um, I know you garden with the kiddos, which he'd love to know more about, and get on your slack line, but what else? How do you cultivate a relationship with the great outdoors and get your kids excited to see what's blooming as well? It's actually a really good question because I think so many people, uh, Carl, Honoré and I, Dig, dug into this a little bit uh, in our conversation. The childhood that you know that our generation grew up with was basically go outside, don't come in till it's dark. But mum, I'm bored. Use your imagination. You know, go and do something. Go and build something. Go and run around and get dirty. And you know, if someone's bleeding, come and let me know. But beyond that, it was a lot less um, spoon fed than our kids' generation is being brought up. And, um, you know, I think the tendency, whether it's because of fear or the way that we live, you know, our homes are smaller, a lot of us don't have backyards and things anymore, uh, or whether it's demand from the kids, but a lot of what kids do now, it's inside, it's on a screen, it's um, sedentary. So getting our kids outside has always been really important to me and you because that's how we grew up you know i think of course you know i read a lot we had a we had a uh what was the first just like a playstation mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. <laughs> that we played sometimes uh but it was not like it is now it virtually every kid has access to a multitude of screens at any given time so to you know to to cultivate that first of all I just spend a lot of time outside and that started when the kids were little. I have really clear memories of, you know, having Toby as a maybe a six-month-old on my hip while I was watering the garden and Isla was playing, uh, you know, in the dirt, that kind of thing. It was just always part of life. Being in Australia, it's easier too. We are outside year-round. I mean, in the Blue Mountains, it gets a bit chilly in winter, but it's it's not like other parts of the world where you kind of have to stay inside for uh, for some of the year. But uh, so, you know, that, that helps in the Blue Mountains. We've got lots of places to walk and we go bushwalking, that kind of thing. And I think it's just partly, uh, you know, an encouragement all the time. It, it just make it part of your day. My, that's our dog just wanting to be it's involved. It's not me. No, it's not Ben. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, part of it is making it fun. So Joel mentioned I have a slack line that you guys bought for me Mother's Day a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, I get out on that and the kids come out and it's strung between, you know, two trees in our backyard. So even just that is, is getting us out in the fresh air. The kids get to feel the, the change of seasons, you know, the change in temperature when the sun goes down, all that, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, in winter we always have a, a campfire on the weekends. Loads of different small ways to get the kids away from a screen, away from you know, sedentary play, all of it adds up, I think. I think it's also habitual as well. Mm -hmm. It's the whole habit of doing something. So for us with the kids and um, going for bushwalks, for example, we will tee it up like days in advance, you know, like this is what we're going to do on Saturday. We're going this and they know that it's coming so they know to expect it Um, and also we regularly – do it as well. So we might go for a, a bigger bushwalk once a month, say. Um, so, and, you know, we vary the bushwalk walk, obviously, but the kids get into a habit 
And, you know, on that they're at an age where on the bushwalk we explore with their, you know, their imaginations as much as we do with, you know, trying to find birds and, sna- you know, s- lizards and, God forbid, snakes <laughs> and spiders. <laughs> but um, habit, I think, is a massive um, uh, benefit, especially when they're at that young age as well. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, just just exactly building it in into the everyday and don't I don't think we make a big deal of it so much as saying oh we're getting out into nature now guys but it's just it's what we do yeah our aim with these hostfuls is to answer around about three questions per per episode so we might move on to um deb who's um sent one through through the blog um, slowyourhome.com. Would it be possible to suggest some books that has helped you on your journey to simplicity and slow living? Yes, it would be possible, actually. Um, I don't, I haven't read as many books as you would imagine on decluttering and simplifying, but rather, um, there, there is a couple, which I'll get to in a sec. Uh, my interest more lies in kind of a more holistic view of a slow life. So that's kind of what is reflected in probably the most important books in um, in this list. And it's not it's not a long list, but uh, Carl Honoré has written three books, but his first book, which was released in two thousand and four, is called In Praise of Slow, and uh, he he looks at the modern cult of speed in you know in modern society. The methamphetamine. <laughs> no. Yes. Uh, So (laughs) he looks at why everything is fast-paced, why people are struggling, why people are overwhelmed and going under. And then he presents the solution of slow. And there's, you know, there's stories and case studies and a lot of research. Carl is a journalist, or was, is. I'm not sure if he still works as a journalist. But it's very well written. um, And, yeah, it's... If you pro- if you only read one book on slow, that would be my recommendation. Um, the second one, though, which is in a similar vein uh, but much more recent, is Ariana Huffington's book called Thrive, where she looks at a life well lived from the perspective of somebody who, on the surface, had it all very you know very successful, very wealthy, very powerful, and you know she she had a very shocking realization that her life was being lived in a completely unsustainable way. When she woke up one day in the middle of her office floor in a pool of blood, she'd she'd collapsed under sheer exhaustion, cracked her head open on her desk, and she realized that, well, this won't do. Um, And that's kind of the, the... the starting point for Thrive, where she talks about what a successful life is, it's work, it's family, it's, you know, a more uh, common idea of success of, you know, earning good money and that sort of thing. She said, but it's none of that matters. It will always overbalance in a negative way unless there's this third metric, which she calls thriving. And that's that's basically the, the gist of the book. It's very good. Um, and I didn't, I was very, I was prepared to not, enjoy it and i really did enjoy it mm. so that's two got an, got one more i have i do actually um 
simpler, the first ebook I ever bought. I've got one. I've got one. Destination Simple by Brooke McCallery. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is that is a life changer. Plug. That's a life changer. Um, I did write a book about rhythms and rituals and how to to use them to simplify your life if you're interested but that's not what i was going to say the uh the first ebook i ever bought on any topic was um joshua becker's book simplify and that takes you through uh the process of decluttering and the reasons why to simplify Uh, it's a very it's a really good place to start if you're um you're you're looking to to simplify Uh, i do just want to say um that i would I would be hesitant to recommend you read all the books on decluttering and simplifying because I know a lot of people who they kind of laugh about it, but they kind of also squirm about it. They have to declutter their decluttering books and none of them have helped, um, you know, until they get to the point where they decide right now I'm going to do something. So, you know, book, the books are great and the ones that I've recommended, I recommend for a good reason. They're well written. They're really helpful. They're succinct and practical which i think is really key um but you know don't spend too much time reading about it instead take you know 10 10 minutes and clean off a shelf and just start that way Uh, i'm all about taking really small consistent steps towards change rather than big sweeping changes um and the other thing i will say as well i there's a uh a subset of, you know, the decluttering kind of niche at the moment that's really focusing on stuff. How do I put this? Um, Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always cautious when books and people elevate stuff to beyond their level of importance. Um, be that, you know, some people recommend uh, you know, talking to your belongings before you you declutter them, or you know, giving them personalities and things like that. I understand that those those approaches work for people who have very very strong emotional attachments to some of their things. But in a general sense, I really worry about that approach because I think it just makes our stuff more important than it is. Um, yeah. So, but they're 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 the three books that I would recommend. Excellent. All right. Well. Hopefully um, you've enjoyed that. If you have, let us know. If you haven't, why the hell not? Um, But please do let us know. Um, And uh, as Brooke mentioned, please send any questions via blog and or through uh, Brooke's email. Is there any other thing you want to mention before we... I think I'm good. Great. Yeah. So if you... But as Ben said, if you do have a question, just uh, head to Slow Your Home dot com slash qa and also today's show notes being episode 11 will be at sellyourhome.com slash 11 and i'll include links to those books and uh, a few blog posts and things that i think might be helpful thanks for listening have a good morning day evening night bye bye This has been another episode of the Slow Home Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe via iTunes and leave us a rating or a review. Thanks for listening.